I have some announcements, and so like Mark said, it is the first Sunday of the month, uh, and so we have some ways for you to connect, whether you've been coming here for some time or this is, your, this is your first time. We have some ways to connect. There are welcome cards in the seat in front of you. You can fill those out, uh, fill, your, fill your name out. You can hand it uh, to us or even Tyler at the back when you go. Uh, we have a church app. Uh, I know some of you aren't you know, savvy with technology, and that's fine, but a lot of us young ones are. So if you want to uh, get the app, uh, look at me or Shiloh, some of the young ones. We can totally help you get the app. Uh, again, another way to stay connected, you can listen to sermons and things like that. And then finally, we have our website and church email list uh, that you can look into uh, and get connected with us that way. Uh, and lastly, for me, I have a youth announcement. So it is the end of the year, and uh, we had our last youth group last week and our last Bible study. Yeah, I know. I know. We'll get back to it in the fall. But this Wednesday is kind of a special um, kind of time for us with welcoming new students. So we're going to be meeting at our regular time, our regular youth group time from 638. And it's just to welcome any new incoming students that are going from fifth grade to sixth grade. So if you know anybody, have friends or family uh, that are going to be going into sixth grade, uh, we're going to be here uh, eating pizza, playing games, and really just welcoming them into our Crossroads Youth Ministry. So that would be this Wednesday. And then, of course, we'll have some some other uh, events during the summer, which I'll have some events posted about that later. And that's all I have for announcements. Uh, I wanted to just kind of update everybody on Mexico. Many of you know uh, we've got 25 people going to Mexico in two weeks. Two weeks from today is when we're going. Uh, going to be down there, for most of us, for a week, building two homes for Mexican families. Uh, we don't even have the families quite yet, but I'm hoping to find that out this week. Um, as you know, we've had a pretty aggressive uh, fundraising goal, $29,000 we needed to build the two homes. And as of yesterday, uh, just honestly, praise the Lord from everybody's generosity, from all sorts of different sources, we are at 31138 Yeah, praise the Lord. I mean, I, that is just God's faithfulness through many of you, you know, for really just kind of making that happen. And just so you know, we literally have more money now than we actually need for this trip. We're going again in October. Those of you who want to already start thinking about that, any uh, excess funds that we have will just be kept and used as, you know, kind of beginning of raising money for the October time. Um, I wanted to, I'm just going to show you a few slides. One thing that we really, I try to do, or we try to do, is help you, those of you who haven't been to Mexico or can't go with us, understand the impact of what we do when we go down there. The impact on the family, the impact, um, that's really what these slides are about. So I put together just a series of kind of before and after shots. And so, um, okay, so this this is going to kind of be wandering around. So this was actually a couple... um, that we built for in 2006, one of the first times that we went down. And such a wonderful story. This is actually in 2019, where they had heard that we were back in Ensenada, and they made a point with their boys. Their boys were just like three and five when we built the house for them. And this couple uh, did an amazing job in taking the small home that we built for them, and Magdalena, the wife, Um, built a business. She started a business making dolls. You'll see a picture in a little bit. Marketed those dolls all through Mexico and then even outside of Mexico. 
She employed a half a dozen women in full-time employment. They added on to the house that we built them in 2006 to have a workshop and all that kind of stuff, and you'll see. And so uh, Bill, Joel, and I were there in 2006 when we built the house, and it was so exciting to see them and their boys, one in college, one in high school, and this is, you know, 15, 18 years after we had built the house. So, Eileen, so this is just... You'll see Magdalene is holding the picture. When we build the house for a family, we give them a photograph of themselves with the team that we built. So they still have the photograph. This is 13 years after we built the house, and you can even see it's kind of worn and stuff. But it was so cool just to see them in their home. Next one, Eileen. Uh, This is just a picture of her and her husband. You can see some of the dolls that they made. There were life-size ones and little ones and all sorts of stuff. Just a super cool story, again, of the impact that building a home for this family had, not just on them and their kids who went to college and this kind of stuff, but the women that they employed and all that kind of stuff. So just a testimony to God's love and faithfulness. This is the original house that we built for them, but again, lots of additions. It was really quite a, a complex, which was super cool. Hey, Eileen. Um, so this is a family that we built for in 2016, the uh, Rivera family. You see the little camper over on the right side? That's where the parents and their two kids lived. They lived in that camper for about a year after they had bought the, uh, the property before we came and built them this house. So, you know, that's kind of before and living in there, cooking in there, trying to stay out of the rain, try to stay healthy, just in that little camper shell that was just sitting on the ground. And then um, you can see, I think, another picture just of them and how overwhelming it was for them in, you know, kind of giving them and gifting them. Now, this couple began to hold Bible studies from the whole neighborhood. They went out and invited all of their neighbors. They were holding Bible studies in this house for quite a long time, and they, in fact, have since become missionaries. They are actually in Peru now, um, leveraging kind of the benefit that came out of having this home and, and work and that kind of stuff, and they are now actually missionaries in Peru, which is really, again, just a testimony to the Lord. This is not uncommon. This is just a before picture. When we show up on a piece of land and we're about to build a house, this is not uncommon at all with where the family is currently living, and after this is what the inside would, again, often look like. It's uh, small. You've got parents, kids, food, everything that takes place outside of, you know, an outside latrine kind of a thing takes place in this one uh, building. And then the family, Eileen, next. This is what they end up with. This is the team that we built for, and that family moved from what you just saw into this house. I think we've just got a couple of more. Um, again, this is just one shot where you can see on the left, what they were living in on the right, what they were able to move into. This is, again, the team just celebrating with the family, the ability to move into that family to just really transform their lives. We did, this is just last year's May um, trip that we went on, the family standing in front of their home. This was just a picture of the inside of that uh, old home that they were in, and then a picture of them uh, in their new home. Um, and I, th- I think that's it, Eileen. Is that right? Yeah. So again, just so you understand, you know, kind of when these 25 people go down there and we spend a week, this is what's happening, you know, and some are just before after pictures and some are stories of people whose lives have gone on to impact others for Christ in their community or even as missionaries themselves. So 
praise the Lord for that. So thanks for just letting me kind of share that with you. Paul Enderman is going to come up. Paul is a good friend to us and many in Ojai. He even has, I think I can use this word, some groupies who kind of follow him in a good Christian term that uh, is some uh, ladies who... Grandmothers, okay, we have some. Uh, so, uh, you know, Paul is a pastor. He can tell you more about himself, has a wonderful ministry here in Ojai to, uh, around the topic of grief, but I'm sure that that just extends out into so many other elements of ministering to individuals, to families, and we're going to get to hear God's word from Paul today. So, thank you, brother. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Well, good morning, everyone. It's already been wonderful to be here. Wow, praise the Lord. Love the music, love everything that uh, the well is doing here, not just in Ojai, but also over around the world. So this is fantastic. I love this. An honor to be back here with all of you. Great to see some familiar faces. Uh, Good to see my grandmothers, uh, as was mentioned a moment ago. I think they said self-proclaimed grandmothers, okay? Um, I like to to refer to as great aunts, by the way, okay? But I love to see uh, you guys. Uh, Good to see all of you here. And I I just love being here at the well and being able to speak here and to see all of you. Um, as was mentioned, I am the founder of Mark Ministries, uh, which is a nonprofit organization that's really trying to reach people for Christ through grief counseling and support groups and, and uh, spiritual guidance and things of that nature. And so uh, there's some information on the table as you leave. I might mention that again at the very end. Uh, so feel free to take that. Also, the bereavement coordinator and spiritual counselor for assisted hospice. And if you're here today and you know somebody that might be needing those type of services, or if you're interested in being a volunteer, uh, we're looking for more volunteers here in the Ojai Valley area uh, and Ventura as well. And I have a card on the table there for that as well. So any way that we can uh, partner together would be wonderful, but I'm so, so grateful to be here. I do want to say again, thank you so much uh, for the honor of being here, and I appreciate all your prayers and support. Uh, Today, I want to speak to you on this subject, biblical hope in a world of grief. Biblical hope in a world of grief. Uh, Last year, a family flew me to Sonoma County to officiate a wedding. This was a very unusual wedding at this particular time because the weather was not cooperating. For about 48 to 72 hours before the wedding, it had been gloomy, it had been cold, it had been rainy, and it was dark. And so the couple was a little bit discouraged. They were hoping for better weather. It was interesting as we got through the ceremony, and they couldn't even sit down. The chairs, the benches, it was an outdoor wedding. They were soaked. And so it was just not going exactly the way they wanted it to go. And, and at the end of the ceremony, um, I said this, these words in a prayer. I said, oh God, please shine your light and love down on this couple as they begin their new journey together. And when I prayed those words, the rain stopped, the clouds parted, and the sun shone down through that gloomy for the first time in about three days, right on the couple. And when I did that, when I saw that, after I prayed and saw that, everyone started clapping, everyone started, woo, 
all of this, praise the Lord, somebody said. And I'll never forget the bride's uncle was over there and he was a cripple man. He, could, he, could, he, had, he had a bad leg and he was barely able to move, be there. He said, that's amazing. You must know, and this is his words, you must know the man upstairs. Can you please pray for me too? And it was just so amazing to see that in that particular moment, how God answered prayer and how God performed something that that particular couple needed in that moment as the sunshine peeked through the clouds. Now, that couple found hope for that day for their marriage and encouragement that they desperately were praying and wanting. I want to say similarly that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we have already talked and prayed to and sung about today, brings hope to us in the darkness. He brings hope to us in a world of grief. In our scripture today, the Apostle Paul writes to these group of believers in Thessalonica who are grieving about their family members and friends who have passed away. Or as he calls it, fallen asleep. And here is what he wrote. Listen to the scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. I like how scripture talks about death. It's like you have fallen asleep. It's like you have gone to sleep. And the reason it likens it to that because one day we will get up from sleep. We will rise again. And this scripture here is written to these new believers who have just placed their faith in Jesus Christ, the one who had died, was buried, and had risen from the dead. And so they're wondering what happened to their loved ones. They're trying to figure out what all this new stuff is. And they didn't have it all understood yet. And Paul is given these words of comfort to them. And so today I want you to see, first of all, the information here and this statement here. We can be uninformed about bereavement. In verse 13, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed. You see, there's a lot of missing information about grief and the bereavement process. There are a lot of uninformed people out there. There are a lot of people that think that this life is all that there is. That there is no hope. That when they say goodbye to their loved one, they will absolutely never see them again. Many people believe that. Many people are sadly, and I say compassionately, ignorant of the truth. But I want to say to you that the greatest book on grief, on loss, and on hope is the Bible. The scripture tells us, That we who know Christ, we have hope. Hebrews 6 verse 19 says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. This hope is not a cynical or a shallow hope, but it is sure and steadfast. This is not the type of hope where we say, I hope that we can have pizza for dinner tonight. 
I hope the rain stops. I hope the sun will shine. I hope I'll make it through. I hope things will get better. I hope to see you later. It's not this kind of doubtful, perhaps wishing type of hope. This hope is sure and steadfast as an anchor of the soul. As sure as if it has already occurred before you even experience it. It is a biblical hope, a steadfast hope. And this hope is like an anchor of the soul that holds us in place. It's sure, no doubt about it, and it is steadfast. It is not moving. It is there for each and every one of us. During World War II, the HMS Neptune hit an Italian minefield off Tripoli on December 19, 1941. During that particular procedure and that event, 764 British and New Zealand sailors and crew lost their lives. Only one man survived. He was 20-year-old Norman Walton, who was later captured by an Italian ship and spent the next 15 months as a prisoner of war. But he had no idea he was the one and only survivor of the 764 sailors and crew. When he told, he really couldn't believe it. It took him a long time to accept that he was the lone survivor. He was asked, how did you escape? He said, I escaped, and I quote, by climbing and holding on to the chain of the ship's anchor and then grabbing on to a floating raft. How did he escape? What was that which he held on to, both sure and steadfast, that kept him alive and kept him going, he held on to the anchor. And my friends, I want to say to you, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what type of loss, what type of grief you're experiencing. I don't know what type of heartache. I don't know what pain you're in right this very moment. But I want you to know that there is an anchor and his name is Jesus. And you can hold to him. You can hold tightly as he holds to you. And he will not fail you. The anchor will lead you home. And then I wrote down, secondly, not only the information, I want you to think about the consolation. He says in verse 13 that um, he addresses them as brothers. Notice it's plural. We are not alone in our loss. He writes to brothers about those who are asleep. It was not just one brother who had suffered a loss. There were multiple brothers And by receiving this letter from the Apostle Paul, they were encouraging, wow, I'm not the only one. There's more than one person who has experienced this loss. I am not in this all by myself. Have you heard the old statement, misery loves company? Have you ever heard that before? Right? I usually heard that when it was almost a negative thing. In other words, you're miserable and you're going to attract negative energy to other people. But the truth is, when we are grieving and going through a loss and we're feeling miserable, we love company too. Grievers need company. We need to know that we are not alone. Now, all around us here, as we have Christ in common, but we also have loss in common. As we've all gone through different things, we're not the only ones going through that. As we look here and all around our community, there are people living through loss. May I remind you that grief and loss, it's not just when you lose a person. It's when you lose a pet. It's when you lose your own personal health. It's the loss of a friendship or a relationship. It's the loss of a house or a job that you loved, or anything that is precious and important to you. That, my friends, is a loss. 
Many people have losses years ago that are just now surfacing. Losses and grief experiences are all around us. But it's wonderful to know that there is hope in the heartache. That there is peace in the pain. I believe that there is hope for everyone. 2 Corinthians 1 verses 3 and 4 reminds us that God comforts us so we can comfort others. How many of you have gone through a loss? Would you raise your hand? Okay. How many of you have found comfort in your loss? You've learned some things. Okay, great. All right. All right. Did you know God could use what you have learned and experienced to help somebody else? You could be your own minister to people in your neighborhood, your family, and your community. That's the way it works in the Bible. And the way it works today is God comforts us. The God of all comfort comforts us so we, therefore, can comfort others. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 reminds us as Christ followers that we need to comfort and encourage the faint-hearted and the weak. We are to encourage them. That's a ministry that we as believers have because we have experienced that hope and that comfort that Jesus has given to us. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, the projected world population on January 1st, 2023 is 7,942,645,086. 4.3 births and 2 deaths Expected worldwide every second. Think of that for a moment. Every second, two people die in the world. According to the World Population Review, there are 7,542 people that live in Ojai, California. In the United States, there are 334,233,854, but 7,500 plus live right here in Ojai. The average age in Ojai is 48.8. You guys are looking really good, by the way. I'll be 48 in September. I'm looking forward to it. There are people all around us. Locally, nationally, globally. That experience death every second. Every second. The average death affects anywhere from 6 to 10 people significantly. Think of all the grief, think of all the loss, think of all the pain in our community here, but around the world. And dealing with people and counseling people can be very difficult at times. It's very challenging. Had a lady call me yesterday and all she did, I I knew who it was, she's from another group in Camarillo, all she did was cry on the phone, that's all she did, she couldn't even talk. She cried for about 11 seconds. A lot of pain, a lot of loss. And it's challenging. No wonder Frederick the Great wrote, and I quote, The more I get to know people, the more I love my dog. (laughs) He knew it was difficult. He knew it was challenging. It is because people are hurting. By the way, if you're here today and you're going through grief or loss or you're experiencing that or you know somebody else that's going through that or maybe you're just curious and want to learn more about this process because You will go through a loss if you haven't been through one yet. I know of a wonderful grief and loss group right here in this area. The facilitator, his name is Dr. Paul Linderman. He has a wife and four girls and a female dog. He's a pretty cool guy most of the time. I encourage you to check out his group. As a matter of fact, this is amazing. They meet this Wednesday 
three days from now, June the 7th at 4 o'clock at the First Baptist Church right down the road. And I hope that you'll come. And as a matter of fact, I already, he already told me what he's going to be talking about. He's going to be talking about what do you actually say to a person in loss. Because you don't want to say the wrong words. You want to say the right words. It might be an educational and encouraging experience. Check it out. You might like the guy. Just try it out. It's wonderful to know that we're not alone in our loss. And then I want you to notice this, the variation says we do not have to grieve the same way. In the scripture that used there, he says that ye may not grieve as others do which have no hope. Now, as I said a moment ago, everybody grieves differently. Even if you lost the same family member, your grief reaction is going to be different probably than somebody else, even though you may have lost the same person. Everybody reacts differently because we're all different. Believers and unbelievers are different kinds of grievers as well. And the reason is, is because of hope. Christ followers have hope in common when it comes to grief, but even Christ followers still grieve differently. No wonder the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 14 was a great passage of Scripture that reminds us of when there's something that you're not sure about or there are questions about, it's normal to, uh, to take the high road on this. And here's what he writes in Romans 14, 5, he, regarding people eating and worshiping and judging, and it would apply even to grieving. He says, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Same chapter, verse number 12 says, So then everyone shall give account of himself to God. Every one of us. So different people have different reactions. Now, I want you to look at the person beside you for just a moment. Can you do that? Now, let me ask you a question. Do they look different than you? Okay. Now, by the way, how many of you are in a good mood today? Raise your hand if you're in a good mood. Okay. Okay. All right. How many of you have a sense of humor? Okay, all right. You want, to do, you want to play along with me for a moment? I know we're in church. We can have fun in church, right? Didn't you see the dog that came through that looked like a lion? That was awesome, man. I thought it was a lion at first. I was like, whoa, this, is, this church is awesome. I love it. All right, and I want you to say something to the person beside you. I want you to repeat after me. Ready? Ready? I'm so glad I don't look like you. Okay. <laughs> All right. that, that's not what I meant to say. This is what I meant you to say this instead. This is what I meant to say, okay? Okay? All right? <laughs> I know this. I don't grieve like you. See, we're all different. Everybody hold up your thumb for a minute. Everybody has a different thumbprint. You're different. You know why? You are unique. You are unique. God has made you He loves you. He died for you. Yes, he died for the whole world, but he died for you on the cross. You're unique and he loves you so very much. And we're all different, have different personalities and tastes and backgrounds. And when we lose someone, we all react and respond differently. It's okay and normal to sometimes feel anger, sadness, guilt, relief, doubt, and fear. All of those are normal reactions. And some of you today... Your heart is broken. You're hurting. You're grieving. Some of you have gone through one particular loss. Some of you, you've got more than one loss. And you're wondering, why so much? Can't take much more. We're all different. And God loves us uniquely who we are. And he gives us hope.
And the hope specifically is found in verse number 14. Notice the transformation. We believe that Jesus changed everything. He says, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. You see that verse there, if it had ended, Jesus died. Well, a bunch of people have died and everybody dies, right? You and I are going to face death one day. But what is distinctive about Jesus is that he died, but he rose again. Did you notice people just don't do that? I mean, I'm leaving in a few minutes. Or after we finish here, I have to go to another memorial. So I had two yesterday, another one today. People die and usually they stay dead. Jesus died, but didn't stay dead. So therefore, our hope is in him. Not in our religion. Not in our works. Not in our best effort. But in him. Because he died and he rose again. You see, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything, including the grief process. No wonder the death, burial, and resurrection is called the good news in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because, my friends, it is good news. It's bad news when somebody dies. It's bad news when our pets die. It's bad news when we go through a loss. But my friends, there is hope in Jesus. That's the good news. Death is not the end. He knows our loss. He is with us in our pain. He can take a crucifixion and he can make a resurrection out of it. Why? Because Jesus went through death but did not stay dead. He's alive today. He reigns on high, my friends, and he loves you, and he will save you. He will keep you, and one day we will see him again. Hallelujah for that. Jesus is alive. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 through 19 says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. See, we're still in our sins if Christ only died. Hallelujah. He is alive. Alive forevermore. When Christ was crucified, seems all of heaven cried. The earth began to shake and buried saints did wake. The disciples hid in fear, only a few stayed near. Soldiers guarded the tomb to seal the Savior's doom. Demons of hell made fun, thinking they had won. But on the third day, the stone was rolled away. Death has lost its sting. He is the risen King. Now hope surely lives. Eternal life He gives. Let everything give praise, both now and for always. Jesus Christ is Lord, alive forevermore. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah for that. Then I want you to notice, lastly, the affirmation. See, we are promised that God will reunite us with our loved ones. He said in verse 14, the latter part, Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. I have loved ones who have fallen asleep or passed away, who have gone through death, and many of you do as well. And this is a promise that through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. This is the promise of the reunion where we will be reunited with our loved ones. Have you ever been to a family reunion? 
and you've seen people you haven't seen in a long time, can you imagine seeing your loved ones again? Think about your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your mom, your dad, your grandparent, your friend, your extended relative, your neighbor, fellow church member. Think of those that you miss and you love and the promise of that reunion one day. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? No wonder the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, But as it is written, what no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So much more God has prepared for us as we're reunited with our loved ones, as we, as we experience the joys of heaven. What hope that brings to a hurting soul. I remember flying home back to North Carolina to see my family, and I really wanted to see my grandmother. And you can tell I'm from the South. We called her Mama. Mama and Papa. My papa had already died. His name was Alva. He had died the year before. And my grandmother, Mama, as we called her, she had dementia and was now just recently diagnosed with cancer and about to go on hospice. And I remember flying there, which takes all day from here to get there. And when I got there, I was tired, but there was Mama sitting on her front porch waiting for me to get there. When I got there, I'll never forget, as we greeted and hugged each other, and where you been? Hadn't seen you in a long time. And she kept saying, I'm ready to go see Alva, her husband. I'm ready to go see Alva. And we would sing together, and I would sing, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. We'd sing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. And sing some of her favorite hymns. Then I throw one of Frank Sinatra. When you're smiling, when you're smiling, the whole world smiles with you. And we had a great time. You are my sunshine. We, seeing her smile and singing. Sat on the front porch. Little after a while, it was time to go. And I lived right across the street from her growing up. So we, I, I just walked across the street. and said, Mama, I'll see you later. So I went home and she went to bed. Next day, first thing in the morning, she's sitting on the front porch waiting for Paul to come. I'd go over and say, where have you been? It's been a long time. Long time. I'm ready to go see Alva. Sing me some songs. I come to the garden alone. Amazing grace. Then sings my soul. When you're smiling, when you're smiling. There it was again. We'd hang out a little bit. See her. Next morning. Where have you been? It's been a long time. Went through the whole thing. Five days. Five days. When you're smiling, all of that. I'm ready to go see Alva. When she came on hospice, my precious little grandmother, I grew up across the street from her. She didn't last very long. But Mama, with the cancer, the dementia, even in her last days, saying, I'm ready to go see Alva. I'm ready to go see Alva. Every now and then she would remember, I'm ready to go see Mark too, my brother, the past. Go see Mark. And then she passed away right before Christmas. We buried her just a little bit before that. And she's with Alva, my papa. She's with my brother Mark. Other loved ones who have passed on before. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have that hope. 
that Jesus only brings. And I want you to know today, in your world of grief and loss, there is hope. And hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me, please? God, thank you so much for the hope we have in Christ. Thank you for every single person that you brought our way today. I pray, God, that you'd have your will and way in our time together here in these final moments. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, and just want to ask you a couple of questions. Maybe you're here today and you say, you say, Paul, I'm going through some grief, I'm going through some loss, and I'm hurting today, and I needed that message. Don't call my name out, but just include me in this final prayer, if you would, please, today. I'm hurting, and I needed, I needed those reminders today. Would you raise your hand so that message was for me today? God bless you, you, wow, many of you, praise the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you say, thank you, and put your hands down. Maybe you're here today and you say, you say, Paul, I listened carefully today. I listened to what you said. Be honest with you, I'm, I'm new at this, or maybe it's been some time, so there's confusion. I don't have that peace in my heart. I'm not sure if, if Christ is my Savior. I'm not sure if I've made that decision to accept Christ, but, but I believe today, and I, I want to make sure of that today. I want to settle that fact today. You say, the Lord spoke to me about it, and I want that. I want Jesus in my life. I want to know that heaven is my home. I want to know that I'll be with my loved ones. I want to be forgiven today. You say, that's, that's me. Anybody like that? Would you just quickly raise your hand up? Quickly as you can, put it right back down. Thank you for being honest. God bless you. Thank you. I want to give you a quick opportunity. I can't save you. It's not a magic words that save us. This is a decision that you can make from your heart to the Lord. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer here. But again, I encourage you, if this is you and you want to settle that today, you can pray this right there at your seat. Would you repeat after me from your heart to the Lord? Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again. And I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. And I ask you to forgive me today of all my sins. Please come into my life. Give me a brand new start today. And when my time comes, take me to heaven. And help me to live for you while I'm here. I trust you only, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior. I give my life to you now. Our heads are still bowed. Our eyes are closed. I'm the only one looking around. If you say, Paul, I just prayed that prayer, and I meant it the best I know how. With all my heart, I meant that. And I prayed that. I'm the only one looking around. Would you just raise your hand as a quick testimony? I'm not ashamed to say I prayed that prayer. Thank you for being honest. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. God, you've seen the hands. You see the hearts. Seal these things in our heart today. Help us to remember this special day. Guide us in all we do. Help us as we move forward. We need you. We love you. 
And we give you the glory and the praise for it all today. We ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed with me and you raised your hand today, I would encourage you to write today's date down and hold fast to that profession. Maybe share that with Pastor Tyler or me or someone afterwards that today you settled that, you made sure of that. That's so beautiful, so wonderful. I rejoice with you. Can we clap for those who accepted Christ today? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I have some announcements. And so like Mark said, it is the first Sunday of the month. Uh, and so we have some ways for you to connect, whether you've been coming here for some time or this is, your, this is your first time. We have some ways to connect. There are welcome cards in the seat in front of you. You can fill those out, uh, fill, your, fill your name out. You can hand it uh, to us or even Tyler at the back when you go. Uh, we have a church app. Uh, I know some of you aren't you know, savvy with technology, and that's fine, but a lot of us young ones are. So if you want to uh, get the app, uh, look at me or Shiloh, some of the young ones. We can totally help you get the app. Uh, again, another way to stay connected. You can listen to sermons and things like that. And then finally, we have our website and church email list uh, that you can look into uh, and get connected with us that way. Uh, and lastly, for me, I have a youth announcement. So... It is the end of the year, and uh, we had our last youth group last week, and our last Bible study. Yeah, I know, I know. We'll get back to it in the fall, but this Wednesday is kind of a special um, kind of time for us with welcoming new students. So we're going to be meeting at our regular time, our regular youth group time from 6.38, and it's just to welcome any new incoming students that are going from 5th grade to 6th grade. So if you know anybody, have friends or family uh, that are going to be going into sixth grade. Uh, we're going to be here uh, eating pizza, playing games, and really just welcoming them into our Crossroads Youth Ministry. So that would be this Wednesday. And then, of course, we'll have some, some other uh, events during the summer, which I'll have some events posted about that later. And that's all I have for announcements. Uh, I wanted to just kind of update everybody on Mexico. Many of you know uh, we've got 25 people going to Mexico in two weeks. Two weeks from today is when we're going. Uh, going to be down there, for most of us, for a week, building two homes for Mexican families. Uh, we don't even have the families quite yet, but I'm hoping to find that out this week. Um, as you know, we've had a pretty aggressive uh, fundraising goal, $29,000 we needed to build the two homes. And as of yesterday, uh, just honestly, praise the Lord from everybody's generosity, from all sorts of different sources, we are at 31138 <laughs> Yeah, praise the Lord. I mean, I, that is just God's faithfulness through many of you, you know, for really just kind of making that happen. And just so you know, we I literally have more money now than we actually need for this trip. We're going again in October. Those of you who want to already start thinking about that, any uh, excess funds that we have will just be kept and used as, you know, kind of beginning of raising money for the October time. Um, I wanted to, I'm just going to show you a few slides. One thing that we really I try to do or we try to do is help you, those of you who haven't been to Mexico or can't go with us, understand the impact of what we do when we go down there. The impact on the family, the impact, um, it, that's really what these slides are about. So I put together just a series of kind of before and after shots. And so, um, okay, so this, I, this is going to kind of be wandering around. So this was actually a couple... Um, that we built for in 2006, one of the first times that we went down. And such a wonderful story. This is actually in 2019. 
where they had heard that we were back in Ensenada, and they made a point with their boys. Their boys were just like three and five when we built the house for them. And this couple uh, did an amazing job in taking the small home that we built for them, and Magdalena, the wife, um, built a business. She started a business making dolls. You'll see a picture in a little bit. Marketed those dolls all through Mexico and then even outside of Mexico. She employed a half a dozen women in full-time employment. They added on to the house that we built them in 2006 to have a workshop and all that kind of stuff, and you'll see. And so uh, Bill Joel and I were there in 2006 when we built the house, and it was so exciting to see them and their boys, one in college, one in high school, and this is, you know, 15, 18 years after we had built the house. So, Eileen, so this is just... You'll see Magdalene is holding the picture. When we build the house for a family, we give them a photograph of themselves with the team that we built. So they still have the photograph. This is 13 years after we built the house, and you can even see it's kind of worn and stuff. But it was so cool just to see them in their home. Next one, Eileen. Uh, this is just a picture of her and her husband. You can see some of the dolls that they made. There were life-size ones and little ones and all sorts of stuff. Just a super cool story, again, of the impact that building a home for this family had, not just on them and their kids who went to college and this kind of stuff, but the women that they employed and all that kind of stuff. So just a testimony to God's love and faithfulness. This is the original house that we built for them, but again, lots of additions. It was really quite a, a complex, which was super cool. Okay, Eileen. Um, so this is a family that we built for in 2016, the uh, Rivera family. You see the little camper over on the right side? That's where the parents and their two kids lived. They lived in that camper for about a year after they had bought the, uh, the property before we came and built them this house. So, you know, that's kind of before and living in there, cooking in there, trying to stay out of the rain, try to stay healthy, just in that little camper shell that was just sitting on the ground. And then um, you can see, I think, another picture just of them and how overwhelming it was for them in, you know, kind of giving them and gifting them. Now, this couple began to hold Bible studies from the whole neighborhood. They went out and invited all of their neighbors. They were holding Bible studies in this house for quite a long time, and they, in fact, have since become missionaries. They are actually in Peru now, um, leveraging kind of the benefit that came out of having this home and, and work and that kind of stuff. And they are now actually missionaries in Peru, which is really, again, just a testimony to the Lord. This is not uncommon. This is just a before picture. When we show up on a piece of land and we're about to build a house, this is not uncommon at all with where the family is currently living and after this is what the inside would, again, often look like. It's uh, small. You've got parents, kids, food, everything that takes place outside of, you know, an outside latrine kind of a thing takes place in this one uh, building. And then the family, Eileen, next. This is what they end up with. This is the team that we built for, and that family moved from what you just saw into this house. I think we've just got a couple of more. Um, again, this is just one shot where you can see on the left, what they were living in on the right, what they were able to move into. This is, again, the team just celebrating with the family, the ability to move into that family to just really transform their lives. We did, this is just last year's May um, trip that we went on, the family standing in front of their home. This was just a picture of the inside of that uh, old home that they were in, and then a picture of them 
uh, in their new home. So, um, and I, th I think that's it, Eileen. Is that right? Yeah. So again, just so you understand, you know, kind of when these 25 people go down there and we spend a week, this is what's happening. You know, and some are just before after pictures and some are stories of people whose lives have gone on to impact others for Christ in their community or even as missionaries themselves. So praise the Lord for that. So thanks for just letting me kind of share that with you.